Good morning, church. Hello. Thank you. How's everyone doing today? And now I pretend like I can hear you. And you're all like, yeah, good, awesome, I'm cold, or something, something like that. Hey, it's great to be with you. Um, I get to share this morning with wherever our Vernonites are. I get to share with those at the Grand Ten. Hi, Eli and Esme. Promised I'd give a shout out. And in Revelstoke, if you're in Revelstoke, you are lucky enough to have Pastor Dave live and in the flesh. So I am just going to invite you to cheer him on and encourage him up uh, as he takes over the service. And also all the little ones, the kids in Revelstoke, you can all go out and do your thing. And I'm sure in Vernon, all the little fun packs are being handed out. I think adults at some point should get fun packs in church because there is these like Welch's gummies that I just really feel like would help me engage more with the future services. So I'm just gonna throw that out there to whoever plans the services, <laughs> Pastor Josiah, something like that. All right, awesome. Oh, hey, I can see the chat. Look, people are saying hello and hi and things like that. Hello, all of you back there. It's so good to interact with you. I better not look at that. Okay, I gotta fix my hair else I'm not gonna be able to be spiritual and focused this morning. Is that better, guys? It's this piece here. Okay, we're good. We're good. Awesome. Thank you, mysterious guitar player slash Scott. All right, so I am excited uh, to be able to share with you this morning, which is kind of a little bit weird because I haven't been excited about many things uh, since the snow fell. My kids are excited. I'm like, oh, snow. I forgot that I don't really like you, but that's okay. Seasons are good, right? <laughs> um, but although it's still, believe it or not, only October, despite what the weather is doing, I've been thinking a lot about um, New Year's lately. Um, and my theory as to why New Year's has been on my mind has something to do with the fact that I think I'm ready for 2020 to just be over. That's just a theory of mine. Um, and also just with this New Year's comes a sense of a new start, you know, renewal. Often I like to play it cool around New Year's time, like it's not a big deal, like New Year's resolutions, whatever. Uh, but secretly inside, I do have this sense of hope that maybe I can do things better than the year before. I do have this sense of like a new start and excitement. And, and 10 months ago, I did have all of these feelings, the sense of excitement in Vernon. We moved into a new location and things are going pretty good. Um, and then of course, uh, all that hope and anticipation for the new year really started going on the downturn as soon as the pandemic reached our country. And all of the motivation that I had towards progressing in my dreams and goals pretty much disappeared about one week after isolation, one week after being on Instagram Live all day, every day. And then, uh, then the fatigues started setting in the Zoom fatigue, the Instagram fatigue, the news fatigue, the government form filling fatigue, like all the fatigues, they just, they just all started pouring in. Does anyone out there know what I am talking about? And um, although there's been many times throughout the course of this year that I was pretty convinced I was handling this whole COVID thing a lot worse than anybody else, um, it doesn't take a lot of research. It doesn't take a lot of digging to find out that a lot of people have really struggled. And that, that uh, a lot of people have not found a lot of joy or peace or contentment or have felt effective in their lives or even purposeful. Right? It's 2020. No one needs to be told it's a hard year. We've all gone through something 
or are still going through something. And to be honest, it's getting old. Like, I'm, I'm tired of it. And not just the virus part itself, but the division and the confusion and the strife and uh, even the nasty politics or the injustices that have come out. I'm tired of it. And I think I've gotten tired on the inside. And as someone who truly believes that God is my strength, as someone who believes that God can work in any circumstance, uh, I admit that I have been disheartened by myself and the continual weariness I seem to have uh, found in my own life. Right? I hit a point this year where my drive was just gone. Like, no spark, no life on the inside, no flame to be burning anywhere. It's like my soul was fatigued. Right? I was tired on the inside. And when it comes to that sort of fatigue, there's no amount of sleep or multivitamins or coffee or weighted blankets or whatever is going to solve that kind of fatigue. And I have a suspicion uh, that someone out there watching this, someone out there listening to this, day, to this today knows exactly what I'm talking about. Right? You've also just been weary and tired on the inside, and perhaps you've just been going through life, going through the motions, but not feeling like you've really been living. And uh, I could come in here and I could give you my best preacher rah-rah, my best pregame spiel, and it could potentially have no effect on you, other than be more annoyed with me, of course. But that's not what we're going for. So if you are weary, if you're feeling empty and drained, uh, this message is for you today. And the title for my message is Help, My Soul is Meh. Help, My Soul is Meh. Quote, M-E-H, somebody please share the emoticon while I pray. God, we just thank you so much for the privilege and the ability to come around your word and your truth every single week, no matter what that looks like. And I ask, God, that you would move in these next few minutes, that these few minutes would be used to propel us forward, to bring us life, and that ultimately we would all just get a greater glimpse of who you are and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so my prayer life this week has been a lot of, hey, God, what do I tell people? People are coming to me and saying, hey, Kimberly, I'm just too tired to go on. I just, I don't really want to do anymore, any of it. And so what do I tell these people, God? What do I tell them? And, and while I'm praying, do you have anything to say to me? Because I don't really feel like going on or doing anything anymore. Right? The only thing appealing to me lately has really been the idea of quitting. But even that, I don't really have the motivation to do and figure out. So I've just sort of been stuck in, in a state of nothingness. And so these have been my prayers this week. And um, Last Wednesday, it was last Wednesday morning, and I was doing something really exciting. I was folding laundry, I believe. Who am I kidding? I don't really fold laundry. I was putting laundry in its designated spots around the house. And I was listening to a podcast in the background. And the speaker in the podcast, he had actually been praying the exact same thing. He was a spiritual leader, and a lot of the people around him were just tired and burnt out. And, and he was praying, God, what do I tell these people? 
And he felt like God said to him, tell them that I got tired too. Tell them that I got tired too. And that stops me in my tracks, in my laundry spreading, folding tracks. As I remembered right, Jesus was God, but he was also man, also fully man. And he got tired. And we know this. We know this in reading through the Gospels. We know uh, that Jesus was not opposed to naps, even in the middle of the storm. We know that he got hungry and thirsty. We know that uh, he wasn't just drained physically, but he actually was drained internally and emotionally. Uh, It was often that when he was pouring of himself out to crowds of people, that he has hit end point and he just had to get away and go be by himself. Still have a theory that Jesus might have been an introvert, just saying. Um, So if you are tired, that's okay. It's okay to feel how you do because Jesus got tired too. And this concept brought a story to mind that I started studying this week um, that has uh, come to life for me more than ever before. And it's found in John 4, 1 to 6. And so here we go. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. And eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, being tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Also my preferred nap time, so I feel like Jesus and I are really connecting this week. So this is a snippet of story that's not very exciting. It's just giving a little bit of a play-by-play of what Jesus was up to. But this little passage alone tells me a couple things. It tells me that being weary doesn't mean you're weak. And I know this because Jesus wasn't weak. I don't think a lot of us think of Jesus as a weak person. And yet, he still got tired. It also tells me that faith doesn't prevent fatigue. That faith doesn't prevent fatigue. Because Jesus didn't appear to have a faith issue. Jesus had no faith issue. And still, he got tired. So it's okay to feel like, you know, this year has worn you down a bit, to be honest about that. In our church, we uh, value what we like to call the honest journey where we're real and authentic about the places we're at. But we also know that we can't stay in this place forever. Right? We can admit that we're weary. We should. We should admit that we are weary. But we can't just accept being in a state of perpetual weariness. Because none of us were meant to walk out our Christian lives continually exhausted on the inside, right? We have people to reach and and miracles to be a part of, and we're to be the source of light and love and life to our communities. But how do we do that? How do we bring life to our communities if we feel like there's no life inside of us to give? How do we do that if we feel like our souls and our spirits are in a state of meh? And here in this passage, we find that Jesus was tired, so he sits down by a well, Jacob's well. And then a Samaritan woman comes, and he asks her for a drink. And this is how this plays out. This is how she responds. 
Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well, it's, it's very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons that, that all his sons and animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh, a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Oh, that sounds so good. I love that Jesus uses uh, his own moment where he needed to rest, where he needed physical refreshing to address a deeper need that we all have to be refreshed on the inner level. Right? It's interesting to me how Jesus in this moment of humanness uh, reveals his divinity in a sense. And he gently reveals that, hey, it's actually me. It's Jesus himself who is the source of spiritual and internal refreshing. Right? Although there are things we can do to physically refresh ourselves, such as take a break, sit down by a well, have some water. There's only one source that can give our spirit the life that it was designed for. And it is found when we come to Jesus. Not that much later on um, in Jesus' journey in his ministry, there's a point where Jesus is with a crowd of people. And he says to this crowd of people, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And I guess knowing how much I get inspired by people and stories when I'm speaking or sharing, I wondered if when he was saying those words, like, come to me and I will give you rest, I, I wonder if he was thinking of his interaction with the woman at the well that day. Because weariness and tiredness, both physically and spiritually, you know, they're part of life. They're part of the ebb and flow of things. You know, God himself instituted rest when he decided to take a day of rest during the creation process. And I realized that having to recover, having to rest and recover is actually a good thing when done right. Because it causes us to turn to God. It causes us to rely on him. It causes us to continually come back for reconnection. You see, Scripture never condemns anyone for being weak or tired. But Scripture does warn against going to different sources to get our souls restored, for different sources to find an escape and rest and refreshing. So when I think back to Jesus and how he decided to sit by Jacob's well when he was tired, it it brings this question to mind, what well do you sit by when you're tired? 
What well do you go to? What place do you go to when you're trying to escape, when you need refreshing? What well do you go and hang out beside? Because I think a lot of the places that we have been going to try and get refreshed and restored and refilled, I think a lot of the places that we've been going have actually been leaving us more dehydrated. I think that a lot of the places that we find ourselves attempting to rest have not actually done anything to rejuvenate our souls. And I remember um, eight years ago, one of the first, or one of the first piece of, pieces of advice Josiah and I received, we were ambitious and young back in the day, in our early days of ministry, and there was a pastor in California, a C3 church pastor, and he said, you guys need to learn how to rest well. Rest well. Because he said, it doesn't really matter how many more hours or days that you add to your recovery time. If what you're doing in that time isn't actually doing anything for your soul or for your spirit, then there's almost no point. It's almost a waste of time. And I don't think I fully understood that eight years ago, what it meant to rest well. But that piece of advice in the last week has kind of been haunting me lately. (laughs) Because to be completely honest, this year... I have had time. I have had time. But I don't necessarily think I've been resting very well. And the sources I've been going to, I don't think have been filling me up, but I think have left me more dehydrated. And I see the effects of that in my life, and I've seen the effects of that in so many people around me. I mean, this year, um, I know so many people whose alcohol intake has gone way up. And not because they have time to compare, you know, wine tasting something, whatever. (laughs) I know so many people who there's been a resurgence of addictions. Anything from drugs to pornography to online shopping. I know for me, social media platforms or um, streaming services, Amazon Prime and Netflix, that's definitely been a well I have gone to to try and find rest. And although those have been really good places to zone out, I haven't left those places with my spirit being at all refreshed. There is nothing about these places I have gone to that have been effective to rejuvenate my inner self. And so again, my question for you is, where do you go to find rest? And when you go there, when you go there when you're empty, when you go there when you're drained and feel like you have nothing left, after you spend time there, Do you actually get restored? Psalm 23 provides us with the most beautiful imagery of uh, God's care for us. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in great pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And uh, after studying this verse this week, there's so much more than I once understood, but One of the things that stood out most to me was the phrase, he leads me beside still waters, as in not rushing waters. And I learned that at the time that this was written, shepherds would uh, work their way through deserts and tumultuous terrain to get their sheep to still waters, not just to give them water to drink, but because this was also the perfect place to mend wounds, to tend to their wounds and the things and the injuries that they had sustained during the journey they just had. And I thought, what a perfect picture of our God. That is so him. 
right? Our God actually specializes in taking the weak and the weary and the lifeless and the broken to demonstrate his goodness. Our weakness, our injuries, our states of meh, (laughs) they're not a problem for God. They are not a problem for him if we just get next to him, if we just get to the place where we can connect with him again. And there's a song, we sung it, it was the last song we sung today, uh, called Graves into Gardens. And I love the lyrics in this song, many of the lyrics based on different Bible stories. And some of the lyrics, they go like this, you turn graves into gardens, you turn bones into armies, you turn seas into highways, you're the only one who can. And I learned this week that this song was inspired by a story from 2 Kings 13. And in this story, um, we, we learn that the prophet Elisha, the man of God, Elisha, he, he had died and his bones were buried in a grave. Well, sometime later, two Israelites were about to bury another guy who just died. And there is this like herd of bandits and apparently they were afraid they would steal the dead body. So they threw this dead body into the same grave where Elisha's bones were. And once that body touched Elisha's bones, the dead body, the dead man sprung back to life. So it's like, even though Elisha was just bones, there was still resurrection life in there. And I was like, right, that's our God. Our whole faith, all of Christianity is based on the event of Jesus dying and then coming back to life. But before Jesus came to life, before that happened, everything came to a halt. His ministry was suddenly done. Reminds me of March 2020. His followers were disillusioned. They were confused. They were sad. They were disappointed. This was not the plan. In fact, the trajectory of how things were going, the momentum of how things were going was looking pretty promising, but not anymore. And now they're just left with fear and uncertainty of what's next. And what I find almost ironic is they decided to self-isolate in a room until Jesus came back. Because Jesus did eventually raise from the dead. And God's plan did ultimately pan out even though it wasn't how anyone had hoped or thought it would look like. And I'm telling you, church, God has never left the business of bringing dead things back to life. It is still what he does. And this week I have been asking myself, God, will you help me trust you, even with the areas of my life that are seemingly dead? even with the areas of life that were progressing but have come to a halt, the areas of my life that suddenly have no life, will I trust you with the areas that have completely turned to meh this year? Because with Jesus, with Jesus, nothing has to be wasted. And I truly believe that God has been working his plan into the mundane moments of our life, into the mundane moments of your life. And I think for many of us, if not most of us, this year we've had to go through a bit of a grieving process of all the things that we lost this year. Some people have lost people, jobs, money, many experiences that we thought were going to look one way but didn't at all. 
Like there's been a grieving. But I just really feel like things are shifting. And I really feel like we don't have to mourn 2020 anymore. That we don't have to stay in a state of mourning for what we lost this year anymore. That all the things that we thought were wasted, that we thought were over, that things that were gone backwards, that they are not wasted. That God sees them as a stage, and it is just a stage. It is just a stage, and it may be a while before we can understand or see the big picture of why things happened the way they did, but God's plan will ultimately pan out. God's resurrection life will ultimately win at the end of the day. And anything that we feel has been wasted is not beyond his resurrecting power. So in summary, it's okay if you felt tired. No, Jesus felt tired too. But we do have a source of refreshing and it is found in Jesus Christ, just getting with him and being with him. And if that is not the source we've been turning to, chances are your spirit's still dehydrated. You still feel heavy and like you're moving forward with a bunch of weight with you. And your spirit still needs restoring, needs restoration. But when we do turn to him, when we intentionally begin to turn to him, even today, there is no limit to what God can do. Nothing that is lifeless or dead in your life is beyond his resurrecting power. And I am believing and declaring today that as you draw near to Jesus, even now, that there's going to be heaviness that is going to start to fall off of you. That spiritual fatigue is going to start to lift in Jesus' name. That there will be a restoration and a rejuvenation of souls. That there will be a shift in your life, mentally and emotionally, and in the inner parts of yourself. God, I just declare that right now in Jesus' name. And I just want to declare Isaiah 40:31 over you before we close. And it says, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So I thank you, God, today for new strength, new strength for C3 Church, for your children, that we would move forward in your divine new strength. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.